When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Book Riot Podcast. It's a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. I'm Jeff O'Neill. She's Rebecca Shinsky, coming to you on the 21st of January in 2021. New Year's Day. It is. It's a good day today. It's a New Year's Day today. And because it's New Year's Day today, we are doing our spring preview. We're mixing up the format a little bit rather than just doing a a, cat, a Whitman-esque catalog of the things we found interesting in the catalogs coming out. We're structuring this one in the form of a draft. We're making 10 selections of books coming out between now and May 31st. And the goal is to create a basket of books that we would present as our Swiss Army recommendations to a generally interested reader. It's like, here's the experience of reading I would pick for you out of what's coming now, knowing nothing about you, a Swiss Army basket, if you will. I guess when you think about it, a toolbox is a Swiss Army there basket. There we go. Um, but a selection, a curated selection of books that I think will interest most readers. And this is for fun. We're just trying a different structure. If you would like to vote on who you think won uh, the Basket Contest. Shoot us an email, podcast at bookriot.com. You can either vote for me or against Rebecca. Those are your two <laughs> choices and how this is going to go. <laughs> I see what you're doing there. But we're trying to give, you know, it, I guess it kind of in the in a, we used to do Swiss Army recommendation picks. We actually used to do a, a, a best of box you could buy from us where we'd, mm-hmm. we'd assemble a list. And we want to give people a good, well-rounded experience, maybe a little, some that are pretty safe all-rounders, some that maybe press the envelope of a, a mix of genres and categories and whatnot. So that's what we're trying to do. Rebecca, I, sh- I guess I should check in with you first. Is that what you understand yeah, that we are yes. doing today? Okay, very well. It is. I sat down over the weekend, as I am wont to do for things like this, because what's new, cool, and worth talking about in my world is like, let's have coffee on a Saturday morning and try to beat Jeff O'Neill. Yes, that's right. Making I, Mr. Burns fingers over yeah, a spreadsheet. Yeah, I did yeah. some, um, I believe at one point in our history, you have referred to fantasy baseball as competitive spreadsheets. Yes. And I did some competitive spreadsheet prep of like the kinds of books that I think should be <laughs> in this basket mm-hmm. and also where I think you're going to go based on what I know of you. Oh, we're so. game theorying ourselves now. Yeah. You clearly cannot pick the wine in front of me. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, full up on Iocane powder. I'm ready to yeah. go. Um, I would like you to pick first. I have one point of order. Okay. We had a mutually, we had a, a shared list. If I had something that was coming out that wasn't on that list and I wanted to make it my draft pick, how upset would you be knowing that's not necessarily a deal breaker? <laughs> <laughs> that knowing that my feelings about it aren't a deal breaker? <laughs> well, I'm saying not necessarily a deal breaker. Um, but yeah, it depends on what it is. Well, um, you also know it exists. I know you know you? it exists because oh, we've talked about it. Okay. You know what? Well, I'm, I feel confident about the basket that I have planned and the right. alternates that I have That's planned. That's what I like to hear. So I think that you can introduce whatever you're, you think your ringer is and we'll go from there. Your hubris authorizing my advantage is what I'm here for. 
Like nothing better than that. All right, we're going to get started. Rebecca's going to pick first right after our sponsor break. All right, I guess it's sort of a sot to the fact that I'm going off pissed a little bit with a, a wild card pick. I will then forfeit, as sometimes happen, my I right sh- to even flip for the first pick. I should have known that in the grand tradition of us doing things with rules, we were going to start by breaking the rule. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, should I should have say- been prepared. Oh, go ahead. We're, we're like- not going to do snake draft. It's going to go eeny, meeny, miny. So we're going to go back and forth. This is yeah. not a situation where we need to do anything other than that. Rebecca... Roll them. All right. I'm going to church on my first pick I with about this. Michael Eric Dyson's book, Long Time Coming, Reckoning mm. with Race in America. Uh, he is both a pastor and a sociologist. His previous work has been incredibly powerful. I recommend him on audio. And this book begins with grappling with the murder of George Floyd and the most current iteration of protest and agitation for social justice and for racial justice specifically. And uh, Dyson is really interested in the path to redemption, to change for the country, to redemption, and to how can we learn to talk to each other about race in a way that's productive. Um, I think this topic certainly is essential in America, especially right now as we are moving into a new phase, a time where healing feels possible. And Dyson's approach and his voice ring a lot of those bells. And I just think it's a, the kind of book that everyone should read. So I'm starting there. You're going to make me feel guilty about uh, my selections, at least at the top half where I'm going for uh, crowd pleasers, but so be it. Um, that's a really good. That book actually came out in December, so I don't think we mentioned that. Um, mm. Not technically a, a new release, but when we were putting this document together, I don't think it had yet come out. A rare, meaningful December release, actually. Yeah. Um, so that's that's a really good pick. Okay, so my number one pick is was not on the board, though. Sort of was because <laughs> it was in a separate tab. It's Jane Harper's The Survivors coming out February second, and so what led me to this? It's a mystery thriller. She's an Australian writer is I recommended to you The Lost Man, which you really liked, and I realized Mm -hmm. every person I've recommended Jane Harper to of late has really liked Jane Harper. Ergo, shouldn't I just pick Jane Harper to start? What do you think about that logic? I think this is very smart. I'm not too mad at it. Yeah. And given that I participated in becoming a Jane Harper convert, and then I recommended The Lost Man to my dad who loved it, I think- There can, you go. Yeah, you, you're, you got proof of concept. I'm not just the president of the Jane Harper fan club. <laughs> I'm also a member. That's a, that's a 90s TV reference for those of you out there. It's mystery thriller. It almost doesn't matter for me what the, the, the synopsis is. L- let me tell you, something happens, and there's family secrets, and things come out. It's a mm-hmm. mystery thriller. Jane Harper is just great. She's She feels modern, but also feels timeless at the same time. I like that it's in Australia, so it feels, you know, that has a, it's it just, it's upside down down there. You don't know what's going to go on. Um, I liked all of her books. I think she's going to become, if she isn't already, way up there with like the Tana Frenches of the world of like, maybe not huge, like, you know, um, embossed gold at the supermarket, kind of, but maybe these are great. I'm looking forward to one. They come out regularly. That's a good way to build a following. That's Jane Harper's The Survivors coming out from Flatiron uh, in two weeks on February 2nd. So that's 
my number one pick. You know, I, I just realized it was stupid to use my number one pick on something you didn't even know was pickable. Save that for <laughs> 10, O'Neal. What are you doing? Draft the seven foot four Estonian late in the later rounds because no one has footage on him. This is part of why I'm not mad about it. You didn't yeah. infringe on any of my plans. I didn't take any of your picks. Well, that was stupid. <laughs> All right, you're up next. Just, you know, don't fight a land war in Asia while yeah, you're at right. it. Yeah, um, apparently not. All right. While we're going for crowd pleasers, I'm going to mm. then go with Good Company by Cynthia Dupree Sweeney. Damn it. She, I okay. know it. She's the author of The Nest, which came out a couple of years ago. And you asked me last week if I had read any of the books that were on this list. And this is the one that I have read. So no. I can vouch for it. Um, a wonderful, big, juicy novel about family secrets. It's, um, it opens with a couple... Uh, who have been together for decades. They are both involved in showbiz, thought their marriage was wonderful. The husband has a history of sort of just being clumsy and losing his wedding ring. And the the wife discovers that um, maybe he hasn't been accidentally losing it. Maybe there are some secrets and maybe they've been around for a while. Uh, mm. And Sweeney does this thing that I love really well where she moves between uh, the perspectives of a bunch of characters on the carousel. I, I love a rotating heads novel like that. And this one is really, really it, just really excellent. It, there's a lot to chew on. It's probably going to be a Reese Witherspoon pick if I had to make a bet oh. on it. Great characters. I like that game. That's a future episode uh, preview. <laughs> we could like, which of the books coming out this season are going to be Reese picks? Yeah, I, I would not be. Good, I wonder how accurate we would be. Yeah, oh, I actually. wouldn't be surprised unless, no. um, I, I don't know if The Nest was a Reese pick. It was something, you know, it was in a bunch of the big selections. Um, but just, it's a great novel. I, it feels like there's more. I thought The Nest was wonderful, but it feels like there's a little more to chew on uh, in Good Company and has that mix of like, you could read this by the pool and a lot of people are going to be doing that this summer, but it's not like, un, it's not unsubstantial. Mm-hmm. Good pick. Good pick. Um, I want next, I want the, my crowd pleaser, page turner first. I'm going prose finally wrought prose next something where you maybe didn't not not a huge household name but you're going to get very fine sentences and i think this is maybe for chang ray lee a bit of a more of a romp than you might expect coming what it is before hmm. it's my year abroad by chang ray lee this comes out jeffrey where's your information also on february 2nd feb 2 gonna be a big week for my picks it looks like it's a novel and um the setup is there's this one of the care I haven't read this. I'm synopsizing the I'm synopsizing the synopsis. There's an American college student who's kind of a average sort of Joe person who gets hooked up for whatever reason, strikes up a friends with friendship with a Chinese American entrepreneur, and they basically spend a year together, road tripping around the world, having experiences. It sounds like so it has some zany buddy stuff going on. It has the 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 East West Inside Out. Crazy Rich Asians meets Road Trip Novel is kind of what I'm the vibe I'm picking up here. And the undercurrent that's at the, the bedrock that's going to lay on is Lee is just a wonderful writer of English prose sentences. Um, native Speaker was wonderful. I'm really looking forward to this. One of my favorite, you know, out of the literary fiction titles available to me, this is the one I'm most looking forward to with fewest question marks about how it's going to go. <laughs> Some of my more wild card picks will follow later in the draft, but this one I feel like you're going to get 
It's gonna be it's gonna page turn and give you the sentences that you want. Sometimes you got to pick between Rebecca, right? Sometimes you don't mm-hmm. get both necessarily. So I'm hoping I get to hedge the middle there a little bit with my year abroad by Chang Ray Lee. All right. That was not on my top 10, so I'm still feeling fine. So I'm I'm doing a terrible job of deciding where to pick these things. It's okay. Yeah, Lee's books just are, for me, a little too unpredictable about which way Mm. it's going to go. So I didn't put it in my my, uh, basket of Swiss Army knives. For a memoir to ring the bells of Educated and the Glass Castle, I'm going with Aftershocks Mm -hmm. by Nadia Owuso. She, when she was a child, her father was a United Nations official, and they traveled around Europe and then to Africa and back again. And just as they were getting settled into their new home in Africa, her father told them that it was time to say their goodbyes. The family experienced a lot of instability, and this is a memoir that sort of picks up and goes from there with bombshell secrets, family lies, and, you know, sort of traveling around the world, both uh, captured in these things and then trying to make sense of them. Um, I'm totally on the hook after a description like that and we're sort of perpetually on the search for like what is the next what is the next big memoir that's going to give people that edge of their seat feeling Uh, and given you know the glass castle reigned for like a decade and a half and then we got educated i'm uh, stoked to see a contender here uh, by a woman of color that's a good one um my next pick i'm going I have a couple of choices here. I, I didn't know what you were going to go, so I, I had a couple of <laughs> backups for three. I'm going to go with Think Again by Adam Grant. Ah! <laughs> oh, good. Okay, so I finally picked one that made you mad. That's, that's a good sign right there. Adam Grant has now, I think, hold the crown for mass appeal, but also legit self help productivity business book is there anyone else can tell i used to be gladwell but i don't think it's gladwell anymore i think adam grant has now taken the throne as the number one draft pick for ted talk turned book kind of a person on an ongoing basis yeah i hate to acknowledge how right you are about that because i think adam grant is more data backed than malcolm gladwell has ever even been in spitting distance i think that's one of the reasons he took the crown though don't you is that Mm -hmm. he actually does the work yeah man i should have i should have taken that in the first round i knew you were gonna go for adam (laughs) grant i just didn't know when also, February 2nd. This could be a draft of things that are coming out on February 2nd. For me, apparently, think again. For me, Adam Grant, at this point, it doesn't really matter what the topic is. I'm going to check them out. Um, but this one is especially timely. Maybe even would have been more timely two weeks ago. It's about changing people's minds. How do you think about your own ideas? Where are we in this you know, uh, world of how do you know you're right? How do you know you're not right? How can you get someone else to think from your point of view? And then how can you think from someone else's point of view. So, you know, the set of cognitive skills that's more about unlearning and relearning than it is about applying what you think you already know. One of the great titles, it feels like a very modern title, that's something that like I'm not sure existed 20 years ago, but if it did, probably Colson White had invented the term in a satirical novel called <laughs> Organizational Psychologist. Is this a term <laughs> of art that's been around for a while, Rebecca? Do you know? Organi- yes, yeah. You can get doctorates in industrial organizational psychology. Yeah, okay. <laughs> anyway, so that's Adam Grant, a, a g- good for all time zones 
nonfiction, I want to feel smarter mm-hmm. about myself kind of book. And who doesn't like that feeling? A lot of people do. So that's Adam Grant. Think again, probably the most likely to be a big seller on my list. I mean, the blurbs are Bill and Melinda Gates. It's going to be recommended <laughs> and talked about, and it's going to be on shows. And He's going to be, be on thing. every podcast you've ever heard of. That's yeah. right. It's That's right. So you're going to hear about this if you're uh, online at all. Well, we've each done three picks, so that means we're a third of the way through, which means it's probably a good time for a sponsor break. So let's do that. All right. We're out of our top three. So now we're getting you know, into the middle rounds here where probably it was harder to pick. I don't know if it was harder to pick for you. It's hard to, it was hard for me to do all 10. It was, it was, I'm not sure it got easier or I felt like the board yeah. lined up it up. But where are you right now? I had not really, I had a rough order of like things I thought mm-hmm. should go near the top and things that I was less invested in. But I knew that some of this was going to be, you know, playing off of what direction you went. I'm feeling good. And now I'm just going to take one off the board that I care about taking away from Damn you. It. Damn it. Come on. Is it Claire in the sun? <laughs> no, it's Patricia oh, good. Lockwood. I'm going to pick that next. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I gave my hand away. I wanted them both, but I wanted Ishiguro a little bit more. All right. Tell us I about knew, Patricia Lockwood. I, yeah. I knew you were going to want Ishiguro. So I made him one of my alternates. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, No One Is Talking About This by Patricia Lockwood, whose memoir, Priest Daddy, is maybe the best thing I've ever listened to on audio. Unbelievable. <laughs> Up there with intimations, I think, in our yes. pantheon of audio experience. And, like, completely different, but up there. You could have a really wild couple of weeks if you did Patricia Lockwood intimations and then Michael Eric Dyson on audio. Oh like, your soul will experience all of its multitudes. So this is Patricia Lockwood. She's, um, she's a poet and a memoirist, and this is a novel about... Um, um, functionally about like ex- the existential crisis of being online and social mm. media and she's hilarious it's bound to be hilarious and also really dark um, it's about a woman who has recently gotten internet famous um, and has been traveling around the world to meet her social media fans and you can imagine what that experience uh. is like and then as she's sort of getting pulled she calls this like going into the portal um, interacting with these people as she's getting pulled into, you know, kind of an interesting headspace, um, she gets texts from her mother saying something has gone wrong and how soon can you get here? And so then there are real life stakes that are colliding with this sort of internet life, but real life situation that she's got going on uh, as well. The syn- I, I don't envy whoever has to write synopses no. of Patricia Lockwood's work, no. uh, but the write-up says it's at once a love letter to the endless scroll and a profound modern meditation on love language and human connection. And just whatever Patricia Lockwood has to say about this, I'm here for it. I think it's going to be weird. This is maybe mm-hmm. the one that out of the 10 in my basket is most likely to have whoever you gave the basket to be like, that was kind of weird. I don't know about that. But I think we all need that sometimes. And Patricia Lockwood serves it up. Yeah, I think the the um, the marginal value is very high because if someone, if it resonates with someone, they're gonna be like, where has this been all my life? Right. On the other hand, it's going to be, why is this in my life? Uh, what might be the other reaction there? My only hesitation about including it here was that piece but I kind of don't want this novel. I don't want to read about the internet right now. Is that fair? I mean, I, again, oh. the only one of the few people I'm going to read that story about is Lockwood, because like you, with you, I'm I'm in for whatever mm-hmm. she's going to do. I guess I was I was like, uh, do I want to read about getting on and offline and how weird the internet is? Like, I know I'm alive. I, so that that was my only reservation for there. Why I, 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 I thought about picking it way higher. I, did. I totally get that. I think yeah. if it were 
if we were talking about like a Jenny awful and weather, but it was coming out right now and we had just had the year yeah. Yeah. that we had, I'd be like, I don't think I can do that kind of existential dread story. But mm. the Lockwood take on, like, I I hear you. I know what being on the, the internet is like and then wanting to be off the internet and all of that tension. But I feel like the Lockwood take is going to be worth it. I agree. And if it's just the, the hanger on which to put the coats, that's fine. Because yeah. I want to see what she actually is writing. And like the, the sentence and sensibility. Mm-hmm. Is, yeah, sentence, like and, just... sentence and sensibility. Is that a <laughs> thing that should exist? What is that? I feel like that's good. That's gold, Jerry. A history of the classics in 100 sentences. Oh, man. <laughs> Pros and prejudice. No, okay, oh, no. <laughs> uh, as I just... Right. Uh, as I just... Um, excitedly let slip. My next pick is Clara and the Sun by Kazuo Ishiguro. Um, his first novel since winning a little something called the Nobel Prize. Ever heard of it? Um, in 2017. This is coming out in March 2nd from Knopf. 320 pages. Now I'm just reading stats. Um, Ishiguro. High variance, right? Mm-hmm. You can get Never Let Me Go. You can get... Uh, some of his earlier classics, or you can get stuff that's kind of like one-off experiments. What this is going to be is a real question. The only reason I didn't pick it number one is there is some variance here. This sounds to me like it either could be revelatory or it could feel uh, repetitive at this point because the the setup feels like a Black Mirror episode um, synopsis where basically Clara, who is an artificial friend, who from her place in the store window waiting to be acquired, I guess, watches humans do their stuff. Um, and then what rolls out of that? There's very, there's, there's little, there's very little plot other than the setup. Like does she get picked by a customer? Oh. What happens? So, hmm. But there's a little AI, there's a little commerce. Um, it's not quite so future forward. I think this is where Ishiguro really lives is like the near future. Like he's not a futurist, right? You're not going to get um, Asimov out of Ishiguro, but it feels like, Never let me go. Spoiler alert! That's like growing people to harness their organs later through clones. Mm-hmm. Wasn't so far in the future that it felt like light speed or space travel, but far enough away to feel like a myth, to feel like a a metaphor or other some sort of allegorical rendering. Again, a wonderful writer of prose. I believe it that the actual sentence level will be excellent. What will will it be a satisfying ending? Will it be too disturbing or off putting to be a crowd pleaser? I think that's very possible. Mm-hmm. But also, this is going to be everywhere, right? Everyone's going to Nobel Prize winner, Kashuish Girl. It's Knopf. It's March. It's about the future. It's about AI. I think it has a real chance to be good. But I, I would say this also is a chance to be a, a lemon or be perceived as a lemon because it could be too strange. It could be too experimental. It could be too. Mm-hmm. That never let me go vibe is. Um, it's kind of like sucking right on the lemon in a lot of ways. Like that's a strong flavor. And yeah. if you hate that flavor, you're going to hate it. But if you're like, oh, I like strong flavors, you're going to like it. I think that's just a strong flavor to capture well twice. Yes. Yep. And so it's bold to go for it. Every time we talk about Never Let Me Go, it reminds me that I don't think we mention often enough Michelle Faber's Under the Skin, which mm. is just as weird and I think more fun. <laughs> of a book um let's where do i want to go next let's Hold on, see I'm, yeah while you do that i'm going to catch up on my record keeping here okay i am going to go with big novel big issue novel but also that i think is going to land with the book club crowd oh and that can is... i guess can i guess sure Superhost. no okay 
Wait, was Superhost even on the list? It's on my list. I'm looking right at it. Line 11. Line 11 on your list. All right. Well, it's not on mine. What? Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't. I don't. <laughs> oh no! It's like I mean, it didn't make it onto my thing. Oh, Who oh, is oh, that oh. by? Kate Russo. It's about like being an Airbnb host. Anyway. Oh yeah, I think I just skipped over that when That's I was fine. making my That's list. Fine. Okay, yeah. So yeah, you didn't do anything wrong. No. Um, my pick is "How Beautiful We Were" by uh, Mbolo Mbue. Uh, her novel. I know. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, novel. I could have picked it. I've had sh- I've had swings of the pinata. Don't blame. You don't have. blame you. Yeah, I'm not actually sorry. Um, mm-hmm. So, behold the dreamers, which came out. Man, it's been a while. 2016. Two, 2016, maybe, and was about. Yeah. Uh, an immigrant family in New York in the 2008 economic crash was so, so wonderful. And I didn't think it got as much attention as it should have. I didn't have. either. How was that not a movie or a miniseries? Yeah, you know, I think that what happened there is Mbue and Ya Jesse both had huge debut book mm-hmm. deals in the same year. And Homegoing is just such a triumph of a different level right. that it took right. up all the air of the big debut novels in that time. And that's, it, I, it's totally justified. Homegoing is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Mbolo Mbue, I think, also really deserved a wider readership. And Behold the Dreamers was wonderful. And this is a second novel set in a fictional African village about people who are living uh, functionally about like the climate crisis, people living in fear amid environmental degradation that has been brought on by an American oil company and pipeline spills. And I don't know that I'm actually excited to read a book that deals Mm. with these issues. This does not sound like fun to me, but I trust Mbue to make it worthwhile. And certainly not all good reading needs to be fun. Um, But she handled such big, difficult issues in a way that was also page turny in Behold the Dreamers that I think that she can do it here. Um, And it's the kind of issuey lit fic that is perfect for book club selections. I also wouldn't be surprised to see like a Reese Witherstoo- Witherspoon um, thing on, you know, a sticker uh, on these covers. And it's a good follow on the heels of like the, um, if you're a fan of Brit Bennett and the way that she puts a book together, I think that Mbolo Mbue is a good follow on. Mm, that's a good pick. Um I like this section of the draft because you get to play a little bit, right? You're not looking mm-hmm. for value, but you've got a lot to pick from. I'm going with, I'm trying to think of basket, right? I want a little bit of everything. I want a little bit of, I want some egg roll and I want some chicken skewers and I want some, I want some crab rangoon at that Peking palace where I grew up, which said it was Chinese food. Who knows what it actually was, but we enjoyed it. And the appetizer platter at the beginning was fun because you got to pick a little of that. And I think a little I want here, I want The Secret to Superhuman Strength by Alison Bechdel. I want a graphic novel that's satirical, fun, moving, smart. You know, she's written one of the, if not the non-superhero graphic novel classics in the form of Fun Home and followed up beautifully with Are You My Mother? This comes out May 4th in hardcover. And it's about Bechdel's own, I think it's a, a memoir. Yeah, it's a memoir about her own ongoing fascination with exercise and fitness, but it's also a satire of fitness and well-being, um, which sounds like just the right kind of uh, filet for Bechtel to dig her teeth into. So I'm really looking forward. It should be fun. If you haven't experienced sort of a... Again, I'm, I'm imagining someone opening up the, the the box of books and doesn't have an experience with a modern graphic memoir of this kind. It could be a revelation for someone. So that's The Secret to Superhuman Strength mm. by Alison Bechdel, May 4th from HMH. All right. Well, 
in the vein of things that are fun and that expand horizons, one thing that I hear from folks a lot or that we just encounter a lot at Book Riot is like, I'll read a lot of stuff, but I don't want to read sci-fi or like that's too mm. weird. And I think that like all genres, the trick is finding the right sci-fi that yeah. proves to you that it's fun and it feels like cheating to be able to pick an Andy Weir novel. I know. <laughs> but I'm picking Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir. And this feels like a risk to me because the book that came out after The Martian Artemis. did not Artemis, yeah, didn't do super well. Although it's also really hard to follow up yeah. a huge hit like The Martian. I thought it was pretty okay. Did you ever read okay, it? Okay, I didn't. Okay. It just didn't it quite okay. like yeah. rise. Okay. Well, that's that's encouraging. The synopsis for Project Hail Mary reads to me like The Martian meets the Born Identity, yep. and I'm kind of all the way in for that. It's about uh, a, a, an astronaut who is the sole survivor on a desperate like last chance mission to save humanity, mm -hmm. but he doesn't know that because he can't remember his name or the assignment or what he's supposed to be doing because he's been asleep for a long time. And when he wakes up, he's a million or millions of miles away from home. And there are two corpses, his crewmates in the ship with him. And like, I mean, here's the sentence. And with the clock ticking down and the nearest human being light years away, he's got to do it all alone. <laughs> like, look, Come on. I think Andy Weir could roll through a career that's The Martian, it's cast away in space. This is Born Identity in space. Yes. I want Rambo in space. Ocean's Eleven in space. Ocean's Eleven. Get just all, just the Princess Bride in space. The Godfather, <laughs> just add in space. Yes. It's like that old meme of adding in bed to stuff. Yep. Mm -hmm. Just do in space. Andy Weir, he's doing it. One million percent. Yes. Um... That's a really good pick. I thought about that. I Artemis was okay. I wanted to I maybe want a little more upside, maybe. And maybe there is more upside here. Then now that I think about that, I'm going to read this. So what am I doing mm -hmm. here? What am I? What am I thinking? It. Why, why am I overthinking this? I want to go funny next. Okay. And this is not an author that most people know, but I had an opportunity to interview him for for annotated and thought he was really funny. And I got to read, you know, it, it brought me to read his book. The book is called Sure, I'll Be Your Black Friend by Ben <laughs> Philippe. Mm -hmm. And it's a memoir of being the black friend, the black coworker, the black new hire, the black in-law of what it means, you know, it's kind of like almost like a second or third wave way of thinking about race or where we are in the publishing industry is thinking about race from the super, super important, earnest, you know, story of the struggle. This is like a mini struggle story of the struggle of like what it means to be embedded with well-meaning people, but also racist at the same time. <laughs> also not getting it right. Also don't understand what it's like. I think he's really funny. I think he's really smart. This will be the kind of book you feel like you get to be the person that he's not talking about yet. You kind of are. We kind of are going to be that person. Anyway, so you get that for zone of like, yes and no. Yes, that's me. No, mm -hmm. it's not. Yes, that's me. No, it's not. And I think he's a really talented and funny writer. So I think this would be a really wonderful surprise. Um, it has the, the, the zhuzh of being uncomfortable and layering the, the uncomfortableness of it with some observation, but also fun. So Ben Philippe's. Sure, I'll be your black friend. When is that coming out? Uh, three thirty-one from Harper Perennial. That's a okay. paperback. Uh, this is it's an essay. I also thought it was a collection of essays. It's a memoir. Mm -hmm. Again, it's kind of a 
a thin red like if you just call them essays of things that actually happened to you okay that's a memoir <laughs> but i'm looking forward to that one as well yeah i have that one on my audio plans uh, that's think. a great pick i should have mentioned that audio would be a i think probably going to be your best experience there if you're neutral yeah well i think oh your pick like, seven your pick yeah. seven now we do a sponsor let's, let's come do back a sponsor, for our, yeah. la- our last sponsor all right we're back Okay. We're now this is this is where you get the underknown superstar. This is where you get the the late bloomer, the under the radar, the value picks here at the bottom of the draft. Yeah, I think for something just fun in the grab bag and also I latched onto this book because I think it's a book that book people are going to give other people as a gift this year. Mm-hmm. Nine, nine Nasty Words, English in the <laughs> Gutter by John McWhorter. Uh, he is a linguist examining profanity and the history, the evolution of profanity, why we love it so much. Uh, it involves, you know, obviously a historical angle, but sociology, political, um, how profanity is involved in public discourse. And, you know, we've certainly had some interesting examples of that over the last <laughs> Four years, so I'm very curious about what our most recent political discourse will do to to inform or how that'll show up uh, in this. The cover, it just looks catchy as hell. Like it it's does. a bright orange cover with the big curse words with asterisks in them. It looks like the kind of thing that you're going to have fun reading, but that also would be a fun gift to give to somebody. You're like, what do I buy for this person that reads all the novels and I don't want to pick a novel for them? Um, so this is just sort of my like book person grab bag selection. Um, And I like this stuff. I think it would probably also be fun on audio. It's a really good pick. I I can't believe in terms of Swiss Army picks, um, this one is still available. Uh, Kristen Hanna's The Four Winds. Um, I just didn't think you'd go for it, so I had it further on my list. (laughs) Quiet as it's kept, Hanna prints money. She She prints money. 1.5 1.5 million print run for this first edition. Firefly, whatever, Girls Lane is coming out on Netflix last year. The Nightingale. She moves units, baby. She moves units. And I know why. I read The Nightingale and I get it. Is it the highest level of art for me? No. Is it propulsive as hell and you want to know what happens? Hell yes. Let, it comes the let's see from the number one best-selling author of the Nightingale and the Great Alone comes the epic novel of love and heroism and hope set against the backdrop of one of that's Hannah's thing these historical epics that have got heart and hope usually really interesting and central female characters historical fiction that has scope and scale and heart that's what Kristen Hannah has found that there's more of a niche for it than. Was there a niche of this before? Did she invent this? Did she? Did she? Um, did she? Uh, ba, 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 Dan Brown, this genre oh, of maybe. the the grand historical epic that's like a book club pick. Who was doing I, this before? I think she might have because, yeah. well, you know, Pillars of the Earth did the book club rounds, but this is not quite that. It's like Pillars of the Earth for for the ladies book club, though, right? Like, I mean, were a bunch of women reading Pillars of the Earth? That felt like a very dad book book. This is more of a, if you like the domestic fiction, but you also want the history and scope, yeah. Kristen Hanna. It's an interesting um, question. Yeah, I, I don't know. But I think, again, in thinking about a basket of selections, mm-hmm. probably won't be your favorite book in the book, in the selection, but might be the one you would pass on to other people because that's a Swiss Army recommendation does. It's good for all time zones. And it sounds like this one's set in the Great Depression, plenty of stakes, familiar enough 
that people don't feel like, you know, I'm not in like medieval Yugoslavia or something like that. This is a known backdrop. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think. She's made a name for herself in terms of moving. She's not a household name like a Stephen King, but probably sells more books than Stephen King at this point. Is this, yeah. is she going to have, is she going to be a household name type of person? I think that's a really interesting question. And why Hanna, isn't she? I don't know. Yeah. She shows up in a ton of TBR customer surveys. Oh, is that right? Oh, that's a really good um, proxy. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a really good proxy. Hmm. Yeah. All right. So that was my seventh. I'm pick. mad that you got to that one. <laughs> that, nothing makes me happier than that. <laughs> For similar bells, I'm mm. going with The Kitchen Front by uh, Jennifer Ryan. This is your endearing World War II novel for people who have been trying to find something that made them feel like that Guernsey book did and probably 84 Charing Cross Road. Um, it's two years into World War II. We're set in Britain and... In an effort to help housewives with food rationing, there's a BBC radio show called The Kitchen Front, and it's holding a cooking contest. The grand prize is a job as the program's first ever female co-host. Four very different women enter the competition, and for each of them, it would represent making a crucial change to their lives. So there's a young widow, there's a kitchen maid, there's a lady of the manor, and there's a trained chef. I will bet my dollars that these chapters will rotate between these four perspectives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it looks very charming. People are going to to buy this book. I think this is where you go for like, my mom loves Kristen Hanna and I need a safe novel to give her. <laughs> so literally you couldn't pick Kristen Hanna. So this is the one you would pick instead. Literally, <laughs> you know, I think this is what I'm picking for like a couple years back. I had that Ann Patchett book that I was like, this is what you give to the person that you need a safe book selection. The for, Dutch house. Like, was that the Dutch house? No, it was the selection of essays. The something oh, about a good life or right. related to that. Um, this is the story of a good life, something like that. And um, I think that the kitchen front will achieve, like, there's not going to be anything offensive. There will be plenty heartwarming. People seem to love World War II fiction. Like, this is a complete mystery to me. I'm not lining up to read any World War II historical fiction, but I recognize that people are into it. So mm-hmm. that's the kitchen front, Jennifer Ryan. That comes out February 23rd. So I that's went, my eighth. I went big. I want big commercial fiction. So I need to come out from there. I've got a funny book. I've got a mystery. I've got nonfiction. What do I not have? I've got I've got rompy lit fic. I need good writer thinking about stuff. So I'm going Jhumpa Lahiri's whereabouts. Uh, a slim novel, her first novel that she wrote in Italian, and it's being translated into English. And it sounds like it's semi-autobiographical about Lahiri rolling around her Italian town and being a, a, unhappy. Listen, <laughs> this is what I want all the time. Rolling around Italian towns with smart people unhappy about being beautiful and smart in an Italian town. Because that makes me feel better. Because even there... Even Nuba Lahiri in an Italian town with mm-hmm. nothing to do but walk around Italian towns being smart and good looking and accomplished, still ain't got it all put together. I need this. It's Schadenfreude cathartic. Like, we need to. Is there a German. Is Schadenfreude cathartic? I can't never thought no. about that before. But I'm going with whereabouts. It's going to be slim. Slim, 176 pages coming out in May. 
that's kind of a value pick. I, we haven't seen Lahiri do fiction yeah. in like a, a billion years, it's, so let's see. Let's roll the dice. I feel good I, about this. Yeah, I had that earmarked for like the ninth or tenth spot okay. for the same reasons. We haven't seen her for a while, but you can usually bank on it to be interesting. So I've got a big book about race. We've got a couple book clubby, juicy fictions, mm. Patricia Lockwood. We've got a memoir and some Andy Weir I, I I need the self improvement thing. Okay, since you took my Adam all right. Grant. Here we go. Is it Cal? We're going. No, Cal? it's not Cal. Oh, okay. I, first of all, we need a sidebar about how many books are not getting picked in this top twenty that are very in the middle of the Jeff O'Neill dad book wheelhouse. So we Look, can talk. About I make that the later. list. The the subject of the dream <laughs> is the dreamer, Rebecca. You know that better than anybody. I don't I know what do. to tell you. There were a couple on here when I was doing my prep that I was like, there's no way this goes in a general basket of 10 books for the general reader. But okay, Jeff. I've got no comment. (laughs) I don't know what to tell you. Don't pick them. I didn't. But apparently neither did you. Well. Slide of hand. (laughs) Oh, was it the plan all along? It wasn't that you really were excited about 15? Yeah, my grand plan was to pick things I knew there was no way you would pick on the list. Call me Moriarty. It was the strategy, 15 different dad books about various (laughs) levels of business statistics. Which of these dad... It was also you didn't pick Adam Grant, actually. That's all there was points. Like, maybe he's going to pick that weird dad book about statistics. What about that weird dad book about statistics? Oh, wait. What about that weird dad book about statistics? We've got Cal Newport. We've got The Data Detective. We've got got Numbers Don't Lie. We've got a Stephen Johnson book. Like, you really did sandbag it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So my self-helpy selection... Because data is the thing that I love about Adam Grant is how to change the science of getting from where you are to where you want to be is by Katie Milkman with a foreword by Angela Duckworth. Um, Milkman is a Wharton professor. She hosts a podcast and she has made a career studying behavior change. So this is data backed advice about how to set your goals, how to foster good habits in yourself, how to create situations where you have good social support so that you can try to, so that you can effectively do all those things that we know we're supposed to be trying to do in our lives. Just the basics of like healthy eating and getting good exercise and not missing your deadlines and saving some money and like just generally sort of keeping your stuff together as a human being, which is a lot harder than it sounds and changing is a lot harder than it sounds and there's a lot of bad advice out there so i'm mm-hmm. here for professors with numbers <laughs> behind that's pretty plan. good that's pretty good well so that was your ninth is that that I, was my right? ninth yeah so i've got two to go <sighs> boy got lots of interesting picks here i'm not sure dare i pick another dad book I mean, lean in, my friend. I, you know, I went with a humorous memoir. I think I need to go with more of a uh, extreme memoir. This is a whole genre of like something wild happened to me or I did something Mm. really wild. Let's read about it. This one is called The Wild Silence by Rainer Wynn. Do you know this book at all? Do you know this author at all? Have you heard anything about this? I remember seeing The Salt Path come out, her previous book, right? It's The Salt Path. Yeah, The Salt Path. Um, yeah. But that's all I really, I'm not, I'm not terribly familiar. I had this sort of marked as like reflective memoir for people who liked H's for Hawk. 
Yeah, that, I think that's right. It even has a bird on it, and it's also that illustrated in a similar kind of like <laughs> woodcutty kind of a way. So the first book, The Salt Path, was um, the author Rainer and her husband Moth took a 630-mile hike around the coast of England, and they, they slept in the rough, as they say. Now, uh, and they have, and, and her husband had a terminal diagnosis. So you get a little of the cancer thing going on there. You get a little bit of nature. Um, they discover that anything is possible. Isn't that what you want from educated H is for Hawk? Anything is possible. There's the, there's the whole genre of memoir where the upshot is, yeah, it turns out even if you have a hawk in your house or you grew up on a crazy <laughs> mountainside with an, with an abusive father, anything is possible. Now, the next step is they come back to home and they're trying to return to normalcy, but someone who's read their previous story gets involved in their life. Like a, their, their old book that someone read it comes and engage, imp, impedes or infringes or permeates their real non-narrative life. So I'm really interested in that weird sort of metatextual piece of it too. And I also just really like the salt path. And I like the sort of low stakes nature, wandering meditativeness, but you also, you and I both like the well, I guess we're married or sort of together and we're in this house and how are we going to be happy? How are we going to do it? Yep. So I'm really looking forward to this. This might be a one for me kind of a pick as opposed to the rest of them. Uh, I don't know. But The Wild si- uh, Silence, pardon me, The Wild Silence, which has a nice cognitive dissonance there by Rainer Wynn. It's a bo- it's a, this is an indie bookstore kind of a pick. And, you know, they, an independent, independent bookstore is going to sell you this. I'm not sure who else will, will besides me. Mm-hmm. Um, very popular over in the UK. Didn't quite make it over into, the, into, into a crossover, uh, cross-Atlantic kind of hit. So The Wild Silence, I would also guess, would be wonderful on audiobook. I did The Salt Path on, uh, through the library a long time ago. When is that? I should take a look at that. But that's my ninth pick. <sighs> All right. I'm feeling the pressure of Yeah, only one left. There's the always a chance to pick something else. Now it ain't. <laughs> right. Of the last one, how to round this out. You know, I had the Jhumpa Lahiri on my list. I Good. think you're right that we all need great writers contemplating life in beautiful sentences. Yes. So I'm going to go for The Soul of a Woman by I Isabel wondered. Allende. Yeah which comes out March 2nd. Uh, and this is memoiry essay-ish meditations on womanhood, on feminism, um, what feeds the souls of women today to be safe, to be valued, to live in peace, to have their own resources, to be connected, to have control over our bodies and lives, and above all, to be loved. On all these fronts, there is much work to be done. And in this book, Allende hopes to light the way and light some torches for people to carry forward in this work. I didn't have this higher up on my list, and I wasn't sure I was going to pick it because there are, you know, Allende is a little bit older of a writer, and there are some references to second wave feminism in the synopsis. So I think there's a possibility that this doesn't go to the place that like young feminists of uh, however young I am to the place that like current evolving feminists want things to go. Um, it could fall into some gender binary stuff. I'm a, so I'm like a little cautious about that. But Iende is such a wonderful writer, and womanhood does have particular 
experiences or the experience of not being a man in this world mm -hmm. is particular um, is maybe a better way to put it. And I'm interested in what she has to say about that and, and about her specific life um, doing the work that she's done and living in the places that she has lived. I think there's some solid upside potential. I'm just not like 100% sure that it'll be, you know, a 10. So yeah, there, those my, are my caveats. <laughs> for my last pick, I'm going award hunting. Okay. Okay. And I'm going with Morgan Jerkins' fiction debut, Call Baby, coming mm -hmm. out April 6th. 2021 it has a romar bearden cover which immediately i'm like oh my god i love romar yeah. bearden um it sounds like morrisonia a little bit did you do you know did you look at this at all? i did look at it yeah mm -hmm. so the main character wants to have a baby has had some trouble getting pregnant staying pregnant um and goes to this family in harlem that has a call which is a layer of skin that's basically magic, right? It has, it has its power of its kind. She strikes a deal to use it, doesn't work. Something else happens, gets involved with these people, their status, power, outsider. I'm really, really interested to see how this goes. Um, her debut collection of essays was really great. She's a writer I've watched for a long time. And a big debut novel like this, this is a big swing, magical realism sort of a situation, childhood, memory, trauma, family, genealogy. She's been interested in this in a, in a, in a, in a nonfiction way for a while. And right up top, they're not, um, let's see, who's this coming out from? Harper's not pulling any punches, comparing it to Coates and Jacqueline Woodson at the top. So the stakes are high, but I think she could deliver, and if she does... I think we're looking at finalists for, you know, pen debut fiction, maybe some National Book Award stuff. I think this could be in the conversation. Morgan has the chops to pull this off. And if she does, Call Baby could be on end of year lists, you know, for, for the rest of the year. So that's Call Baby, Morgan Jerkins, coming out April 6, 2021 from Harper. That's my smart pick. How are you feeling about your list, Rebecca? I feel good about my list. Yeah, I wish yeah. I felt worse about it. But you have a nice list. <laughs> so do you. I want to, can we have a moment? Is there anything that you're surprised didn't make it? Um, I'm surprised Stephen Johnson's still on the board just because we mm -hmm. talk about him a lot. Um, No, not really. So another one I was circling around, The Cult of We, the book about WeWork, which is like the bad blood of WeWork, I oh, think is yeah. going to be an interesting mm -hmm. book that either of us could have picked. But reading about douchey tech bros is a mood that I need to be in. Like I'm not going to, I'm not Swiss Army basking that. If you yeah, want that, it's great, yeah. but I don't want to, I don't want to serve it to you. You got to pick that <laughs> off the buffet. I think that's right. There's some stuff on the list of possibilities that's definitely like Shinsky O'Neill fair yeah. that is not just Swiss Army fair. Like I, I'm a little surprised that we didn't talk about um, 400 Souls by Ibram X. Kendi. That was it's a giant I, anthology. That's right, a big ask, right? right? Yeah, that's right. right. That's why I went with Michael mm -hmm. Eric Dyson because it's a also a, a big important book about 
the issues of race, but I think just more accessible for the challenge that we gave ourselves <laughs> today. Yeah. Kim Scott's book, Just Work, which is about bringing social justice practices into the workplace, I also think is like, we're going to read that. We're probably mm-hmm. going to talk about it on this show, but it didn't fit into the the brief, as Mary Berry would put it for yeah. this one. I'm a little bit surprised that you didn't pick the Wonderworks book because it's a big book about books and history. Here's the thing. I know no one cares about that like I do. <laughs> but book people love the book about books. So I thought that that are, are might... Are we giving this to book people, though? Or are we giving it's it to, 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 to Uncle James yeah, or, you know, it, Aunt it, Jenny? That's true. That's, yeah. This is Uncle James and Aunt Jenny. <laughs> yeah. The one that I could swap out that I think has a chance to be kind of like an it commercial lit fit crossover, isn't this fun, is Superhost by Kate Russo. I think that's mm. one that could be, this is a fun, it feels relevant, but also it's kind of low stakes. Um, at the same time, it, it's it's the little bit more vanilla version of the the Lockwood, right? It's about being online yeah. in our modern age, and isn't life weird and weird? And, but it's also not going to be as aggressively strange yeah. and off-putting to some people as Lockwood. So, like, it's Diet Lockwood in that yeah, regard. Diet Lockwood. Um, the one. Go ahead. The one that I thought I would be picking before I got into reading the synopses is the George Saunders essay collection, oh, yeah. "A Swim in the Pond in the Rain," which is like a, the most George Saunders title for an yeah. essay collection ever. But it's about Russian literature and literary analysis. It's for the people for whom um, Wonderworks is too mainstream. That's yeah. what that's what. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying that's a niche interest? Yeah, I think so. It's like, what about a book about books, but extremely about yeah. books? How about close readings of individual <laughs> Russian short stories? Right, right. Have you seen the audiobook lineup for that? It's like Meryl Streep and stuff? Yeah. I don't get this. They anyway. don't play around with the George Saunders audiobook game. It's yeah. impressive. You know, it's, and then it can't a, earn out. What is Mer- oh, what's what is the streep getting for four hours of audio? I don't. The, this the is one of our questions. We don't literature. know. I guess that's right. What is she doing? She's sitting around. We're all sitting around. She's got a mic and it's like <laughs> I can say stuff. <laughs> yeah, probably so. You know, at this point, Meryl Streep has an audio production facility like in a giant closet of her house, and she that's was like, right. "What what book shall I record today?" It follows around her like it's a drone. It's like a drone mounted <laughs> audio production facility at this point. She's just like pouring her coffee in the morning, narrating George yes. Saunders. Oh, I am Meryl Streep. <laughs> that was my Meryl Streep. That was cool. that <laughs> I, crushed. Yeah, it. that was Jeez. that was interesting. Maybe I narrated <laughs> a swim in the pond in the rain. <laughs> <laughs> then there were a couple on the list that are like middle of the series books. Mm-hmm. So I didn't go with those because who picks up in the middle of the series? Definitely not Jeff O'Neill. No. Well, here's uh, the thing. Becky Chambers, her last mm-hmm. one in The Wayfair. Yeah. I was like, I'm glad that's coming out. It's a big deal, except the fourth out of four will be the least read. So I, I don't know. If it was a standalone Becky Chambers, I really wanted to yep, pick that. A Zen show, I was thinking about Blackwater uh-huh. Sister, too, I thought would be interesting. Yeah, Like, look, Zen I thought they were standalone. all interesting. I put them on the list. Yeah, yeah Zen show is standalone. That, yeah. That's a standalone. That was one of my, I think that would have been my 11th. If we had gone to 11 picks, I would have picked Blackwater Sister mm-hmm. for standalone fantasy. And then there's The Committed by Viet Thanh Nguyen, which is a follow up from right. the sympathizer and i i think with his work you need to have been reading the previous ones you're not just going to drop into mm-hmm. that world so i didn't go there either the one the, the crossover mom's dad's and grad books i was looking at um was unexpected life 
um, by Stephen oh, Johnson. It's Extra Life. Extra Life, pardon me, Extra yeah. Life by by Stephen Johnson. Tends to, I don't know, tends to be a crossover mm-hmm. kind of a hit. A short history of living longer. Maybe some wellness stuff going on. It has. He's a little more mainstream than Mary Roach, a little more weird, but scratches a lot of the same itches, which means he probably sells more books than Mary Roach, right? Oh, Don't yeah. you, if you guessed, yes. Stephen Johnson sells more books? Yeah, um, I think so. And he's all of them are positioned as sort of being broadly about like the progress of culture and history, yeah. and Mary Roaches are so niche specific. I'm like, it's time for a Mary Roach book. So if anybody what has is happening? an update, is she all right? Do we need to check that? on her? What was the last one? It's been a it million was, years. It's been a long time. I'm, I'm my soul this needs is gulp a or belch or fart or gas. I don't care. Remember what yeah, it was. Yeah, I think it. Yeah, I don't I'm remember which. Up. Which if it was gulp. Um, which I one. read them all and out then, of order. Yeah, and then I think you know I wouldn't be surprised to see um, a world without email show up on a bunch of the like yeah. business books, the Cal Newport business books you need to read for the year. But I had my notes for that one was like, everyone loves the idea of this. So I can see like people picking up a world without email off of a bookstore table or like this is this is airport book written mm-hmm. all over it. Like mm-hmm. the business dudes who populate the Delta Lounge when that's a thing in my life are definitely reading the Cal Newport world without email book. But it's such a like currently such a such a fantasy to have a world without right. email that I was like, it's like very, a world without laundry. Nice work. Right. Can get and like it, but. very few people, relatively speaking, have the power in their organizations to create that kind of change. Like we're just not gonna do email anymore. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is it doesn't really have legs, but it's Cal Newport, so people will try it anyway. I will try it. I mean like what is Cal Newport is it carrier pigeons, papyrus scrolls, <laughs> right. uniform yeah. tablets? What is like what are the you doing? Proposed man? replacement, right. Yeah, right. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not even sure because now they're all in paperback, the Mary Roaches. So I don't even know what the list of, I guess Grunt, I think was, my my sense is mm. Grunt was the last one. Um, but I could have been wrong about that. That came out. Mary Roach, call us. Yeah. 2017, the paperback. So we're four years out. Yeah, maybe it's not that long. Maybe it's not that long out. What do I want the next Mary Roach hmm. to be about? Oh, pack, we've got Packing for Mars, Gulp, Bonk, Spook, Stiff. <sighs> Yeah, it's like mm. cadavers, ghosts, space, the military, your guts, and sex. <sighs> hmm, that's a good one. What do we want? I feel like there might be one out there about, uh, like wellness writ large, like mm-hmm. you know, healthy. Yes, yes. I want this. Mary Roach goes to a yoga retreat. Mary Roach yeah. goes to the gulp convention. She goes to the cryogenic t- chamber goop. facility. She the talks goop. about the, the blood boys. You know what yes. I'm talking about? Uh-huh. She goes. She gets to like an infusion a, from a 20-year-old. Yeah. She stands in line for that woman who hugs you and takes your pain away. Yeah. yeah. Well. Mm-hmm. It could be called Well. Well by Mary Roach. If you work at Norton... And you're listening to this, and Mary Roach yeah. needs a book idea. She can have that one for free. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good. That's a good one. I like that. Well, yeah, I mean, I like it's too. it's got to be one of these fundamental things. She really likes the body, right? It's it's hard for mm-hmm. her to get grunt and packing for Mars are very much like how do you k- take care of these meat right. sacks? How do you poop um, in space? Yeah. Yeah. Right. How do you poop in space if you're Jason Bourne? Maybe Andy Weir <laughs> uh, got got a hold of that. I'm trying to think of what else would be related to it. Is like maybe something about pain would be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, or like I'm uh, writing a drugs. book about pain. Like, <laughs> like you know, psychedelics are sort of oh, making oh drugs. 
a comeback. Yes. Like, oh, I know what it is. I want the Mary Roach book called High. Hi. <laughs> Buzz. <laughs> Buzz. No, High is better. High is better. I think High is better. <laughs> okay, now if you're picking be- between High and Well, what are you picking? <laughs> oh, I, well, you can do a High chapter in Well. That's cheating. You can't do that. Yes, you can. That's a good <laughs> yeah, idea. Yeah, you That's totally can. Idea. You totally can do that. <laughs> All right. Thank you all Michael for Pollan listening. Michael Pollan said so. All right. Michael Pollan got there first. Um, you can find our list of books to vote at bookwrite.com slash listen or in the show notes of this episode. I'll break them down by Rebecca's picks and my picks. And you can email your vote um, saying either Jeff at podcast at bookwrite.com. <laughs> Jeff or Rebecca. You can rank order us one or two, two or one. I'd like to know why. Yeah, if there's any if there's any explanatory materials, we will read them for sure. Uh, next week we'll be back to news, including Rebecca. Have you seen it? Do you know what I'm going to say that I'm so excited to talk about? I don't know, but I won't be on next week's show. Jen will be here with you. Jen and I get to talk about a new lawsuit about price fixing in ebooks <laughs> against Amazon, oh, or boy. as I like to call it, Christmas Day. Lucky Jen. <laughs> Poor Jen. I will. I have to say this word since I will be out next oh. week. That at the top of the agenda before I realized that I was going to be gone is a link to a story about how the creator of the Queen's Gambit adaptation is adapting the Sparrow by Mary Doria. We got two of these like gut shots in a row of yeah. adaptations. Which I'm glad you said something there about it. And. Um, my soul is... You texted me. Yep. And I was like, I just am going to make sounds for like a week now. I'm not ready. The Sparrow, for those of you who don't know it, a notoriously difficult to adapt a book. Maybe computers and maybe it's going to be a short series. Maybe it would make more sense than a movie. I don't know. But one of those books, you're like, uh, <laughs> this yeah. is going to be interesting. Like there's um, aliens, and that's mm. hard to do well. And there's torture, and how do you do that? And don't at me about spoilers. The book has been out for like 20 years. Right. Yeah, But read it, and then we can all talk about how impossible to film it's going to I'm so yeah. nervous. I'm just going to be nervous, nervous about it. I guess another last point of order is for our... Q1 book pick, we're going to yes. be reading and discussing Claire in the Sun by Ishiguro. Um, sometime after it comes out, probably in late March, we'll do an episode about that. So if you want to add that to your reading list or no, we'll give you plenty of lead time there. But since we're, we mentioned it today, I thought I'd mention it there. Rebecca, thank you so much. This was a super, super Yeah, that was fun. fun. Talk to you later. Have a good one. Bye.